Grief is such a daunting process. Learn how to navigate the valleys and hills on this episode of Ask the Resource Queen. And now, here's your host, Alex Litwack. Welcome. With me today is Lisa Eric. She is a therapist with over 20 years experience, and she is a voice of calm and compassion that I've known for a very long time. So thank you, Lisa, for being on the show. Thank you, Alex. Thanks for asking me. We have been in a bit of, I would say, chaos and tumult and negativity in this country in particular for a number of years. And one of the things I've noticed is not just the anxiety level of people has risen, the level of grief that people are experiencing, whether it be because of COVID and losing someone they love, or just the fact that cancer is rampant and disease is rampant. So today's First topic is grief. Grief seems to be something that each person experiences differently. True, false? Yes, I think so. And there's no wrong or right way of doing grief, and there's no timeline for grief. I think that it's, and we, I, in my experience and, and belief, we don't do a great job in, our, in this particular country or culture in um, healing through grief. So I think our expectations are you're grieving. Okay. You get a month, <laughs> you know, you, you maybe we'll give you two months and, and grief doesn't work like that. No, not at all. You know, in fact, I really love the work of, um, David Kessler. He's written a book, um, that, uh, he's worked closely with Elizabeth Kubler Ross, who I have valued her work in grief and death and dying for years, but David's most recent book is Finding Meaning, The Sixth Stage of Grief. And he is just such a lovely man. He has such a, a warm and soothing voice. He himself has lived through a tremendous amount of pain, losing his child, um, and um, speaks from his heart. So I like his work, and he talks about the fact that there is no, there is no timeline. In fact, you know, if you're not up and kind of getting back into life after two years, believe it or not, he's saying, you know, um, you know, pay attention. But there, but allowing for those times, that time of healing, is critical, and it, it never really goes away. Does it just lessen with time? 
I think it lessens um, in intensity um, and probably the frequency at which that pain surfaces. But that, that feeling of loss stays with you. Um, and I think it's critical what I think we are programmed to do, what we tend to do is trying to avoid pain. We're just wired to do that. Um, but we have to feel to heal. And we get the message that's like, pick up and, and go on, keep going, pull up those bootstraps and, you know, but yet that's doing such a disservice. We, I'm, I continue to learn and watch the importance of recognizing the pain, allowing for it, being with it, having support. We all need a witness to heal through grief. We need community. We need that pain to be mirrored um, with us and for us um, to heal through it. So that nurturing, that connection, that support, and the allowance is, is, is so key. We are a nation of problem solvers. You know, lickety split, get better, <laughs> you know, and grief I, feels like uh, in my book, grief feels like pregnancy, that you're on a train, but you're not the conductor. Exactly. I love that. Yes. Yes, you are. Very, I love that metaphor. Um, I think that's really, really true. What's normal reaction when you're grieving? And I, 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 I'm reluctant to say the word normal. However, there must be an entire spectrum of things that people could experience. Elizabeth, and I don't know that David was involved in this work, but she talked about the stages of grief. And I think there's some reality there. It's what, what we learned later is that there is no specific order in which we might move through those stages. But I think denial, bargaining, avoidance. But I love what David has come up with is the idea of finding meaning as the sixth stage of being able to heal through, to, to move through these stages of, of grief, and then when you're ready to be able to look back and find some meaning through that will help with that healing. Is grief different depending on the kind of loss, or is it really the same? Mm, great question. Um, I think the components of grief are much the same. They may look different, they may have slightly different flavors, but I, the loss is loss. We experience loss deeply, whether we recognize it or not. And there's always pain. I hear people talk about this void um, that they feel internally that is real. I think that can happen with you know, the loss of, certainly through death, the loss through of divorce, loss of job, loss of, of something dear, uh, a loss of a pet. Pet bereavement is huge um, for so many folks I, I have the privilege of working with. And um, one of the stages, Alex, that I forgot to mention is anger. And that is something I think we've been seeing. A lot of you mentioned um, our nation kind of being in a grief, in a grieving state, and I think that might be 
playing a large part in a lot of the anger and and even some cases violence that we've been we've been witnessing. I think that leads back to fear. Yes. When people make decisions out of fear, it isn't always the best decision because they're just doing anything they can to get to not be scared anymore. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we can tend to be really impulsive during times of fear and and grief. And that's where I think there's such wisdom in maybe we've all heard don't make any huge decisions for the first year after a huge or significant loss. And I think there's wisdom, such wisdom in that. I like that you mentioned some of the other things that we can grieve, not just a pet loss, but moving. Mm -hmm. You missed that house mm -hmm. or it or you've lost a job or you've turned another decade in age and now you you're grieving that. And and one of the things I always find interesting is that when people lose someone who's been a family member, let's say, or an old friend, but they weren't getting along. And they didn't really enjoy that person anymore. They still grieve. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's that person has filled a role for them. There's still significance. There's still emotion around that relationship. And sometimes I think if that hasn't been resolved, the grieving process can be even more painful. And so I, I think one of the things that grief experts talk about, and David being one, is you can still heal that relationship even after death by exercises like writing writing letters. That's a big fan. I'm a big fan of that. Um, asking folks to write that person a letter from your heart. No, don't censor anything. Um, talking with them, speaking to them, continue loving them, talking, you know, about that or whatever it is that there's still left to be said, being able to say it. Does it make a difference in people's ability to get past their grief if they have either an idea in their mind or they are firm in their belief that that person is in heaven? I think so. I think that, that uh, there's comfort in the whatever belief, what, from whatever religion, whatever spiritual kind of, of belief they are holding or carrying, that this isn't it, the idea that this isn't it, that our soul or spirit moves on. I think there's great comfort in that. And, um, and often people will talk about feeling a presence, their presence, their loved one's presence, their dog's presence near them. And um, I think that can be very, very comforting. And, and I've watched that, that. You can watch that energy of the person just shift when they talk about that at times. Yeah, I think most people, when they refer to someone they've loved and lost, they look skyward. They never look down. <laughs> it's so true. Exactly. Exactly. I think, yes, I think we grow up thinking about that heaven is above or that place is above or our soul rises, that sort of thing. How important is it to have a ritual around loss? I think it's so important, no matter what it is. And being creative at times, we don't have to follow absolute tradition, but being creative. And 
I think it is so, so key in assisting through the healing. What kind of ritual do you think helps? I think, again, I go back to having others, another presence, um, having a witness. Um, I, I love being able, the eulogy, the being able to talk about that person or I, for instance, wrote, I've written a letter to every dog I've lost and, oh. and shared that and usually with at least one other person present. Lighting candles mm. in certain anniversary days, um, those, those types of tangible reflections of this being, this person, this, this, this person, this experience, this relationship matters and matters and still and mattered and still does. So ritual is is key. And it's I think that's what's been so tragic through the pandemic and, and through the numbers of lives that have been lost to COVID and the inability to have that ritual and to have the wakes and the callings, even though they're painful at times and seem like they last forever, there is such value in people coming and saying you matter, your loss matters, I see it. I read in Australia, in one of the villages, um, I don't know if it's Aboriginal, when they hear of a loss in the village, everybody in the village changes something, whether they move something in their yard because it's a reflection that something has changed. So just that mirroring of we notice and we are, we are sharing this with you. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, that's very cool. Yeah. It is very cool. And I think that people, you know, whether they wear a black armband or they do something, they want people to know, I'm, I'm suffering. Yes. I'm in grief. Yes, we do. So let's say somebody has gone through a big grieving experience. How does someone feel strong enough, feel grounded enough, have resilience to get through that grief. What what kind of tools do each of us need in our toolboxes? Mm. Again, great question. I think the piece is that I go back to is the allowance, allowance for the feelings. Feel the feelings. Um, recognize the importance of having community, having not, you don't have to have a huge community of people, but um, one or two people that you can talk about this person and sometimes we need to tell whomever our best friend or our cousin or someone um, I need to just talk about this I don't need you I just need you to listen um, I don't need to you know have anything fixed or problems please just listen um, being you know kind of going back to some of the basic we need to still move we need to still, still you know move our bodies move the emotion, move the energy of that through us. You know, eat well. You know, it's so interesting that people bring tons of food, you know, but getting into some decent nutrition as soon as we can, I think, matters. Self-care is important mm -hmm. in all situations. And Absolutely. I'm constantly talking about self-care. I wonder that sometimes in grief, people feel like they're they're at sea, they're untethered mm -hmm. in some way. And so, yes, 
moving your body and good nutrition and are very important. What else can help you feel grounded? Engaging with the outside world some. We get so internal and we feel this is all we feel. I think even reading newspapers, reading, you know, watching news clips, kind of getting in touch with the world that's bigger than us, you know, all it can ground, being out in nature. Um, um, do something for yourself that's nice, that self-care, like you said, massage, anything that kind of touch, um, just grounding in today, recognizing um, that life is going on, getting in touch with other, you know, part of watching the news is that, that life is moving on, and that's hard sometimes, but it also brings, brings perspective. There are others suffering as well. There are other losses happening. Um, you know, some distraction, I'm not a huge proponent of, of distraction, but that some is healthy, some is good. You know, finding um, things that bring meaning to us, bring joy, playing, you know, pickleball or golf or something, getting back out with some sort of activity. How do you know if you're stuck? How do you know if your grief has basically just driven you into a, a deeper depression than you thought you had? I think if, if you find yourself not engaging in, in, in external relationships for, you know, we're six months out and you're still pretty isolating, you know, isolated and um, kind of in this kind of inertia of, of not moving, of kind of in this hole of sorrow, um, really paying attention to that. If others are saying to you, and again, it's tricky because we don't want to rush ourselves, but if we feel like we are, it's affecting other parts of our life, we are not engaging in other relationships and other aspects of life, I think that is, that bears uh, watching closely and maybe seeking help or um, maybe talking about getting into a grief group, which I so think is, is valuable and important. Um, it, friends and loved ones sometimes will point out, I'm feeling concerned. Um, listen, listen to them, um, especially if it, they, you can feel them speak through their hearts. Sometimes when someone has had a very long illness, you're grieving while they're having the illness, and then when they pass, you're, it's a different kind of grief exactly. almost. Exactly. Yes. Is that because it's just the intensity? Because you know it's going to happen. You see it happening in front of you, and yet it's still so painful. Yeah. I think we're... You bring up such a wonderful point um, and such truth because I think when we watch, we are grieving through that illness. We know the inevitable. We watch the deterioration, and yet we are often engaged in some sort of purposeful role that gives meaning, that feels like we can do something, that we are doing something to contribute, to care for to exchange energy with that person. You're still, there's still a physical body with which you are engaging. 
And I think once the soul moves on and, and death happens, um, the absence of that physical being, the absence of that person becomes even more real. And then that void, that emptiness where, you know, 18 hours a day were spent, you know, either thinking about that person and what can I do or, you know, is what's today like for them to, oh my gosh, thinking I'm going to call them and the, the, the recognition and I hear this, but they're not there. Oh my God, they're not there. Well, it takes time for that to really sink in. And, and then we have those holidays and those special days, those birthdays, um, the anniversaries of the, the passing is often a significant time where those real, the reality comes back. Once again, it's just this ride you're on. It is. And you gotta, you gotta roll with it. Yes. Yes, right? And, and allow yourself to feel what you feel. How important is it to resolve whatever issues you have with somebody before they get sick or before they're on their deathbed? Or does, or is, does timing really matter? Oh, gosh, Alex, that's a wonderful question. I love it for when we as people can can resolve before those end stages of life and i and i think that the healing um for our grief is so aided when we can resolve some un what had been unresolved hurt and pain and anger at times um prior to that passing i think that the healing through the grief process can um go so much more smoothly once that, if that is able to be resolved. I think that, I mean, so often it doesn't happen and there's another layer, I think, of that unresolved emotion, that energy of that, that we are left to heal through. And so when there is an exchange that can happen while that person is still in their body and while there can be communication and an exchange and if so, f if possible, forgiveness on one or both sides, it just, it sets us free and it sets them free, I believe, to move on as well. Yeah, I think it must feel really horrible to feel as though you never got that chance. So you're saying take it. Take it if you can, when you can, uh, for yourself and your loved one. But 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 for yourself, if 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 you can't think beyond that, it's it's key. One of the things in our culture that I find fascinating is that people really do not want to talk about death and dying generally. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know all about there are death cafes and you know for people who really do want to talk about it. But in families, I'm always astounded when somebody gets sick in some way that the whole family is unaware of what that person's wishes are, or the person who is ill is in complete denial. Why are we so afraid to talk about what's about to happen? I think. Death is our biggest fear because we don't know, we don't have a lot of information about it. It's an unknown. It's, um, and 
you're right. We do tend to avoid it at all costs um, and fear it. And it is inevitable. It's such a it's a part of life. I think we just we are so fearful of forcing of facing our own mortality, and just dealing directly with that. Which is a good reason to wake up in the morning and be grateful. Absolutely. You, Absolutely. To know how lucky we are to be here, even when things seem grim. Yes. I, I particularly noticed that for myself this past year in 2020. You know, just really trying to intentionally practice that gratitude for being here, being healthy, for having healthy lungs, for breathing fully, all of those things um, really came so close, I think, for me last year. And um, when, when so many people were suffering and dying and feeling that helplessness. And, and I get that sense of helplessness. And something you said earlier, like, don't give somebody advice, just listen. Don't try to solve it, just listen. And I think that fear and helplessness make us feel unstable. Mm -hmm. So we grab onto whatever we can grab onto. Absolutely, absolutely. And sometimes those are not as healthy th uh, of options that we might grab onto <laughs> as others. Are you speaking um, of vodka? <laughs> <laughs> yes, actually. Um, that family of, 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 of coping mechanisms. Um, and, um, you know, I want to go back to what you were talking about as our avoidance around talking about death and talking about it with even the person who's dying, you know? And I think it's, it can be such a help and bring such grace to that person if we just begin that conversation. You know, we both are sitting there knowing it's happening and then to be, but, and to be able to talk about it um, and speak to it and talk about what your wishes are and if anyone, or if there's anyone you want to talk to or anyone you want to still see, those things, just getting it out and getting that, again, I go back to the opportunity for that energy exchange, that flow um, to happen can be so, so, so powerful and so healing. And so loving. What a gift mm -hmm. to, mm -hmm. to give somebody. Absolutely. Absolutely. It was so helpful when I, when in dealing with my own mom's death, when she was able to talk about even what her favorite songs were and what she wanted and who she wanted to, to talk about and how she would like it to look. And that was really very comforting because we knew exactly then. We weren't trying to guess and make decisions among six of us. Um, it was like, well, this is what mom wanted. So if we can do that, with each, with each other and for each other, I, I so I so recommend that. Yes, with with love and compassion, we can help each other through the most difficult times. Lisa, thank you so much for a beautiful conversation, and for being a part of the show. Mm, thank you, Alex. Thanks for asking me. Are you dealing with anxiety, pain, insomnia, or inflammation? If so, then CBD may be the answer you are seeking. At CBD Jubilee, we understand that you may have tried many different supplements and medications without success. CBD is a different kind of supplement. It works on a system in your body to get your whole self back in balance. 
We hope you will come talk to us at 6418 Carrollton Avenue in Broadripple, or you may check out our website, cbdjubilee.com. Thanks for tuning in. Please join us next week for a new edition of Ask the Resource Queen.